1: Welcome to Buckets, Action Network's NBA betting podcast brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by my colleague, NBA futures analyst and NFL better extraordinaire, Brandon Anderson, for this week's edition of Future Friday. So instead of the usual best bets episode every Friday, we're going to be bringing you an episode that talks about how to bet futures in the NBA on a weekly basis. We're going to look at the league through the prism of futures that allows us to talk about the league and where teams are at, but while also finding you actionable stuff to talk about. It's the best combination of actionable content And Brandon and I talking about how good or how bad various teams are. It should be a great time. Everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information on where the bets and money are coming in on. You can find this podcast in the Media Center along with our Green Dot Daily, which helps you set your betting agenda for the day. It's a live show daily. Brandon makes a few appearances. I'm on once a week with our Spread the Floor video series. Lots of cool stuff to find in the Action Network app. All right. We're going to start this week talking about the beasts from the East, Brandon. We're going to take a look at the Eastern conference and see if we can find a little bit of value on it. As we record this on a Thursday, on Friday, the bucks are taking on the Knicks. I've already gone ahead and bet the Knicks in this game, but (laughs) I think we got to talk about the bucks more generally. So uh, I bet they're under on the win total late in the, in preseason. No Middleton wasn't going to be around for a little while. Uh, I taught, I knew all the things about Bodenhauser, but I was like, it's above 50. That's always a, a, tr- a tough number. They've looked awesome. And Giannis in particular, I don't know how. He looks better. Uh, on Wednesday night, they get a win versus the Nets, where they played like garbage in the first half. And then the second half, Giannis just decided it was over. Like Giannis combo just came out in the second half of that game and was like, we're winning. You're not going to score. I'm going to the rim every time I'll talk a little bit about the impact of the take foul rules on Giannis here in a second, mm-hmm. but what's your big takeaway from the Milwaukee bucks after these first few games of the season?
3: Yeah, I think my takeaway on Milwaukee is the defense is back. And I, I wondered if that might be the case coming into the year. The one name, I think we we're kind of overlooking with them in general is that Brooke Lopez basically missed all of last season. You know, he came back in the playoffs and we saw how good the defense was when they were healthy and then Lopez is is back now, and I think with him out there, and obviously Giannis, who's playing great on both ends, and Drew Holiday, and like we have the formula, and it works pretty well with Brook Lopez protecting the rim and Giannis doing all the Giannis things. So that defense basically right near the top of the league right now. Uh, I think allowing 44% on two-pointers, that's been the strength of that team when the defense is elite. And remember, the title run they had – It was this world-beating defense that did it. Like, we remember Giannis because he drops, you know, 50-piece in the clinching game and did all the amazing things. But it was the defense, really, that was obliterating teams for that run. So, if the defense is back and if it shows up every night, you know how I love defense in regular season and how it travels and is a good high-floor thing for racking up wins and, you know, getting the division wins and toward the one-seed. If the defense is this good, and we already know Giannis is this good, then, you know, the Bucks show up every night and stay healthy. They're going to push towards the top of the standings like the was do.
1: So, you talk about the defense. Uh, one of the key things that fell off last year, and we were betting this, and Raheem, our former uh, colleague who works now at the Ringer, we still talk to him every day, he was keying in on the, the Bucks three-point rate of allowed, of how many threes mm-hmm. they were allowing This look, it's tiny sample. Everything's gonna be tiny sample. So everything we say in this podcast, just take it with the, the, (laughs) like all we've seen. And we under, I'm not building a white paper on these takes folks, but bucks are seventh in three pointers allowed per hundred possessions. It's such a big deal defense in the NBA. It can be predicated on a number of things. Your contest level, what are you allowing? But a lot of it really comes down to what do you, what kind of shots do you allow? It's, do you allow your opponent to take a lot of threes and score at the rim? If you contain the three point line but you're getting destroyed inside you're going to have a hard time being a top 10 defense. And the same is true on the opposite where if you contain the interior but you're giving up open threes, teams are going to put big numbers on you. If you contain both of those things and you're forcing teams to shoot from the mid-range, they're just going teams are contested jumpers from the mid-range. It might be a bucket, it might be a hoop. Real hoopers <laughs> might know, but it's going to be hard to sustain an efficient number there and that's going to impact your ability to get point differential and win games. The Bucks defense is legitimately back. So uh, we'll talk about Giannis MVP in a second. But look, at show sponsor FanDuel plus 550 to win the NBA title. I don't want to bet titles until we get to Christmas, I don't think. Uh, I bet the Bucks in a couple of parlays for Eastern Conference, Western Conference finals matchup. I have a few of those. I don't want to bet them yet. This number is going to go down. You're going to get CLV. I will say though that we've seen the numbers that at the start of the playoffs tend to be longer than I would have thought they would be. When we look back at the numbers, you can still get it. There's always time for Giannis to miss a month of the season, and for the odds to go down, or they just have a bad run. Like this helps them in terms of securing their win total, which is bad for me. getting off to a good start. I I don't want to bet the Bucks now. I will say if you're betting any team to win the NBA title, that's the one I want right now.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's the ticket that I want right now. If, if you just gave me the board and said, which team do you think is going to win? And there are no odds. Then I think I agree with you. I think the Bucks are the team that I would pick straight up against the field. I don't love grabbing the number here because I'm not sure I agree that the number is going to go down. I think the number will go down, but I think it's going to go up at other times this season too. Like the, the thing that I'm repeating the mantra in my head all week long, we're, we're what, 10 days maybe now into the season, not even 10 as we record this. I am stunned watching these futures numbers. They're jumping all over the place. We have like eight months of season to go. Can we settle down? We have three Bucs games so far and Giannis is suddenly back to being the MVP favorite and the Bucs are the favorites. And like we've changed a lot of lines and positions here on three games. So I, I'm trying to catch my breath a little bit on it. And with the Bucks, I think you're right. If, if the defense is this good, if Giannis is putting up, what's he at, 36, 13, and five each night, like if that keeps happening, yeah, I want the Bucks ticket. And yeah, the number is going to get shorter. But one thing about Giannis that we don't really talk that much about, here's his games played last three years, 67, 61, 63, obviously shorter season, a couple of those. Not a bad thing. I'm not calling him injury prone, but he misses stretches. He misses a week here or there. He might miss a couple of weeks. The Bucs don't give a rip. If they they're not going to go push for 74 wins this year. That's not a thing that's going to happen there. This team has its title. And the thing that we saw in the preseason, that was only 10 days ago. I don't want to forget it because the team did not win a game in the preseason. You talked a lot about the travel thing and going overseas and how much that is going to play the effect on them. And I was, I was worried coming into the year. It, they look old and they look thin. And the roster is not super deep. We're already missing Chris. To me, that is not disqualifying on a Bucs title ticket. But I don't need to get my money in on them as a favorite right now because overwhelmingly likely there's going to be a spot where Giannis misses a while or where they just go cold on their shots or something. And I can get that ticket later, whether it's the start of the playoffs or February or March. I just, I don't need, I don't need them that badly right now.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree. This is not the time to bet the bucks. It's more that if I was like, you have to make a bet on the bo- on, on a team to win sure. the title, they're probably the team that I'm I'm betting. Fair. You're probably taking a longer shot because that's how you are. <laughs> but as far as I look the look at the matchups go, um, this team is a monster. Giannis is plus four sixty for MVP at FanDuel. There are longer numbers in the market. You can find uh, bets like that in the Action Network app, including one that I put in on. Wednesday night, because after that performance, I was like, yeah, I'm willing to go ahead and start. I'm just going to go ahead and start building. Uh, I had, I have a little bit of Giannis from preseason, but it's one I definitely need to catch up on uh, in terms of my overall position. I definitely feel so good about Luca. The take foul. I talked about this on spread the floor on green dot daily. So there's these fast break points on NBA.com and that's one signal, but those don't include times when he gets fouled. Those are not going to go into those figures. Synergy Sports has him for last season. Yonasan and Kampo averaged eight points in transition per game. It's 12 so far this year. (laughs) You can't stop him. Yeah. No way to stop him. If you can't foul him in the backcourt, you're going to give up a bucket. He's going to get to the rim, and he's going to dunk on you. He's just an absolute monster. Part of the reason I bet this last night is one. I think the number is going to go down and I want to start getting in on it Two, I legitimately think he's the best player in the game right now. I've said consistently that on any given night, Katie, Jokic, Giannis, and I'll put Steph in that conversation because Steph is Steph. It's like respect for the title, <laughs> but no one is as impactful on both ends of the floor. Like, there is nothing you can do with this person right now. So uh, Giannis is an absolute monster. I do like Giannis for MVP. I do think there's value at plus 460. Do I think this number goes down? Yeah, like I think that we're probably, I think Giannis is in the conversation by the end of it, barring injury. And if you're willing to, if you're willing to take the injury risk right now, I think it's okay if you're looking to bet MVP. Now, if you want to wait, if you're like, it's been three games, Matt, that's fine. I'm just telling you that I don't see any reason barring injury that Giannis is going to slow down. This is not hot shooting. This is just, (laughs) there's nothing you can physically do to him. He's the most dominant player in terms of physical domination we've seen since Shaquille O'Neal. They're taking on the Knicks. Surprising Knicks, looking really good. Just Obi Toppett's playing more. Julius Randle's back. He looks alive. You can find out there in the market, there's Knicks to make the playoffs, and they're still plus 175, Brandon. I've actually been pretty impressed with the Knicks. I don't want to get there yet. I always talk about the mirror teams that get to November and they realize like, Oh Mm. no, we're not very good. The Knicks are in that category potentially, but the Cavaliers were there last year. Right. And they just turned it wound up being good. We both agree. The Cavaliers are better. I'm just saying Jalen Brunson, their defense has been really good. The revamped roster looks, looks good in terms of the small adjustments that they've made. Jalen Brunson has been great. Julius, Julius Randall, just being good makes a huge difference. Uh, yeah. The Knicks are pesky. They're feisty. And I think right now it's more of a night by night play for me right now, but I do think the Knicks are underrated in the market to a degree.
3: Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think really like not to go Danny green on you, but I think the, the Knicks are who we thought they were, you know, like this this is, this is that team that we expected that the Knicks are showing up. They're trying hard. They have a very good depth. The bench is playing well. They're defending. These are all the things we knew was going to happen. This is what happens on a Tibbs team. I think the difference has been that Jalen Brunson really is making a difference in the starting lineup. And the thing I noticed, especially is the turnovers or lack thereof Jalen Brunson, I think in his last game, finally had a turnover somewhere around like toward the middle of the game. And the announcers acknowledge like, Oh, well, I guess Jalen Brunson is not going to go his whole Knicks career without a turnover because he had not turned it over as the point guard of the team. And I think, you know, we talk about like a floor general or somebody to just come in and run the show, and calm things down, and like frankly, not be Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett doing all those things. You need a point guard sometimes, and I think that's the value Jalen Brunson brings to the team that they just didn't have last year, just stability and a higher floor of offense where we already knew the defense was going to be good. I think Isaiah Hartenstein has helped a lot off the bench in that role. They're already... Uh, the the shooting profile, still not great. We wish for more threes, but they don't have a lot of shooters. What I do like though, they're gonna take a lot of twos. They're making them. They're top five and two-point attempts, they're top five and two-point percentage. So at least if you're gonna take them, get good shots and make some of them. I think it's just it's a good team. It's interesting that you talked about the mirror teams, as for you. Use that term as like okay we, we got to November and said oh yeah okay we're we're not that like the Wizards last year came to mind as yeah. roared out to the start and then looked in the mirror in your term and then it came back to Earth. I think of a mirror as a different sort of angle. So I mean I just need a different term for it. Um, to me the the Knicks are the opponent that you look in the mirror for on a on a cold you know stormy Tuesday night in the middle of the season when you're tired and it's game forty eight and you're so sick of playing and you show up against the Knicks, they're going to beat you if you don't show up. Like You look in the mirror and see who you are that day because the Knicks are going to make you beat them, and that's the Tibbs thing, and the offense floor moves up with the defense, and I think that's a winning regular season formula. So I I feel good about a Knicks over. Like you said, I think it's a great spot to play them night to night just in that like, "Mm, yeah, this is a a bad schedule spot for the opponent. The Knicks will make you earn it. I don't know about the playoffs because – I feel good about the play-in. I'll take the play-in odds. But now if I'm in the play-in, I got to take this team in a one-game playoff, and I don't feel great about that just yet. But, you know, I, I think they're going to be good at They could. Could they get to a six seed and, and just guarantee a playoffs? But I think it's in the mix. I wouldn't take it, but I think it's in play. Would you say it's in play?
1: It's possible. It's up there. They're in the conversation, right? Yeah. I mean, the, Bulls, the Bulls were there last year. They could be the Bulls this year. That's out sure something that could happen. Look well, at the bulls are going to be the bulls this year, but we'll talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, they're the standardized test. That's what they are. As no. they tell you exactly where you are against in percentile wise in the league.
3: No.
1: let's move on and talk about Sixers versus Raptors. Sixers mm-hmm. were favorites in this duplex set. They played Wednesday and Friday and lost to Toronto. Um, I have not bet on the Sixers in quite a while after uh, <laughs> taking a beating early on in the season. Horrible start for the Sixers. They look terrible. Embiid looks hurt and slow. Uh, everyone's blaming Harden for it being like Harden ball team. But to me, it's like they're doing that because Embiid doesn't look right. They take on the Raptors again on Friday night. Raptors down with favorites. By the way, this is only the first time the team has been a, this is the second time rather uh, since 2000, in the last two seasons, that they have played a back-to-back set. And the team has been a dog in the first one and a favorite in the second it never Mm. happens so like they literally are shifting this two points on the power rating based off of that game seems like an overreaction i'm not gonna bet the sixers because i love myself (laughs) but i just want to ask you this brandon you and i were bought in on the sixers in preseason we gave out uh atlantic division i bet them for the title based off of the long-term value of it you liked mb defensive player of the year I talked about Tyrese Maxey, most improved player, was my biggest bet on the board. We are a handful of games in. How dead are we exactly? How how much kindling, how, how much can we take those tickets and use them to start a warm fall fire?
3: We aren't feeling great. We are not feeling great about not our great, tickets. Yeah, not great, Bob. I'll add in I was on Doc Rivers for coach of the year. I God. think that I meant first coach fired. I think that's what the thing I was trying to do was there. Yeah, it's not great. I, I don't think that they're dead, dead. Like certainly let's just, let's just say it straight up. If we could, if we could take a time machine back to our ticket and bet on it or not bet on it right now, we wouldn't bet on any of the Sixers <laughs> tickets that we have, yeah. even at the price that we got them. Like just, just know yeah. But you know, again, we're, we're two weeks in. We're not even yeah. two weeks. Like it, it's not over. I, the Sixers division one, I still feel decent about. That number is even longer now. I don't love the Nets. I never have. I don't really believe in the Raptors. We'll talk about Celtics next. But to me, like, you can recover here. You can recover in the division. And the thing that makes me not think that we just need to burn it and, and just move on is that not really what I expected, but James Harden looks awesome. And we kind of were just like, well... And Beat will be great and Maxie will be great and they'll play great defense. And like, as long as just James just stays out of the strip club and like is decent, then Fine. that seems okay. And somehow we have the opposite of all of the things. Yes. And, but like James Harden being awesome is really good. That's yeah. like, that's an MVP caliber play. That's not me saying take it, but James Harden playing that well buys time to say, okay, the rest is a mess. The defense is a disaster to me, the scheme looks totally different. We're we're trying to allow a ton of threes. We're not stopping the twos that the opponents are taking. I don't know what's happening. Harden being this good buys our tickets a little time. Yeah, I think my Doc Rivers ticket probably dead. I think my Joel Embiid defensive player of the year ticket is not off to a great start, but. I think that there's still time here. I I wouldn't be advising anyone to buy in on Philadelphia right now.
1: The the good news is they won't let us cash these tickets out. So we're stuck with them. and That's true. They can only go up from here. And
3: we will victory lap them when we cash them at the end.
1: Exactly. (laughs) uh the last big game in the eastern conference on friday night the cleveland cavaliers take on the boston celtics celtics off to an absolutely torrid start uh mostly based off of the fact that if jalen brown and jason tatum are both going to average 35 this season they're going to win a lot of games when jalen brown did not score 35 those those numbers (laughs) that performance went down a little bit but look i bet the celtics under i still feel okay about it uh we'll see i can't believe this is sustainable. Like the Sixers can't be this bad, right? And the Celtics can't be this good, right? And maybe both of those are wrong. And the Sixers were the over 50 win team that I should have faded. And the Celtics were the one I should have trusted. But I think on a Cavaliers team that, uh, Brandon, your Cleveland Cavaliers. I think we can call them based off of all your positions on them. Look, it's early. These are small sample, but we're just going to go ahead and give the numbers because I do think they're relevant. You have to understand that Cleveland looks better. Cleveland is going to look better on paper than they do in the game. And that's meaningful from a regular season perspective, at least. Uh Cleveland right now at dungstonthrees.com has the third best net rating. As we record this on Thursday afternoon, they are plus eight point nine. Um, in I'm sorry, plus ten point two in adjusted wow. net rating factored for opponent at dunksonthrees.com. That's behind the Mavericks, who are one and two, by the way, but they destroyed the Grizzlies so much they're number one. Uh, and the three and one New Orleans Pelicans. The Cavs are currently above the Phoenix Suns by a full point and a half so they've looked like the numbers on cleveland are really good obviously boston not doing too shabby either what's interesting is boston's adjusted net rating way worse at plus 1.3 i am kind of wondering if boston is going to come back down to earth a little bit we're not going to do picks for this game but i do kind of want to ask you just bigger picture on these teams at our show sponsor fanduel the cavaliers are plus 1600 to win the eastern conference 16 to 1 for a team that had great metrics last year before they they got injured, added Donovan Mitchell and are off to a good start this year. Uh what do you think about the Cavs and their chances to make noise in the Eastern Conference in the regular season and playoffs right now?
3: Yeah, I think the key here is I love the Cavs regular season. So let's start there. They look great. Like this, we've built this team as the young Cavs. Look at them, look at them coming. They're going to be good at some point. And they might be here. They look like they're here right now because what you didn't mention too is all those great metrics you just showed. That's not even any Darius Garland yet. That was their star player from last year. And he's, you know, he's got the injury. Donovan Mitchell has been incredible. Donovan Mitchell, we talked about him as a long shot for scoring leader. That seems very much in play. So he's putting up like 30s every night. But the defense to me, it just immediately pops as this the elite unit, that they are incredible against two-point percentage because they got the two big men in there. We knew that would be the case. They're mashing on the glass. Rebounding is a defensive stat because a rebound ends your possession. So that's a huge thing. And and I didn't expect this. They're allowing bottom five fewest three-point attempts. So if you don't get three-pointers off and you can't make your twos and you can't get rebounds for easy looks, you're not going to score a lot of points. And like you said, that all leads to kind of ugly 90s style basketball, the way we think about it. That's going to lead to a lot of wins. So I like the Cavs wins. I was all over their win totals throughout the year, before and after the trade. And I think to me, that's the key then is if you like the Cavs regular season, if you like them a lot, then are they a top four seed? And now they have home court in the first round. And if you really like them, we spoke highly of the Bucks. If they beat the Bucs in the division and get like a top two seed, now that plus 1600 to win the East doesn't play. Because if you love the regular season, now you have to think ahead to the bracket. There are no bye weeks, no, no NFL bye weeks here. But if you get a one or a two seed, you have to feel pretty good that you're going to get through a first round. And now you're only two matchups away with home court with a really good defense that's going to keep you in every game. And if we're being honest, Yeah, the Cavs are certainly favored and are certainly underdogs in at least one series to get to the East, right? Guaranteed at least once they're underdogs, probably twice, right? Because you're probably underdogs even with home court against Milwaukee, against Boston, against Philly, maybe Brooklyn. Somebody with the veteran superstars is going to be favored, but if you have a sixteen to one and home court and maybe a game one win, like you're going to have a lot of options there. So I think it's a good spot if you like Cleveland in the regular season. It's a long-term way to invest in that because it's going to put you in a better spot that adds value to your ticket later.
1: Please, Lord, give me a three-six Cavaliers Nets series, please. God, oh man. Let, let me bet on Jared <laughs> Allen versus their front line. Let me bet on on, on Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, please,
3: please. Will, will the Nets get a rebound in that series?
1: Not <laughs> uh, so. They're plus three ninety. This seems short to me. Our, our sponsor, FanDuel. They're plus three ninety to win the division. Yeah, don't love that. I think uh, I, I, you know how I feel about the Bucks in the division, and especially like if you're if you're gonna topple what the the Bucks with this version of Giannis, I I want six or more. Like that's mm. not implied. That's a feel thing, but I don't want this at anything below six.
3: Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, I bet this as one of my division plays into the season, and then Cleveland has looked good. So obviously yeah. I feel good about that though. Part of my position was that Milwaukee looked terrible in the preseason. They yeah. literally didn't win a game. So I was feeling a little better then. I don't think it's a must play because you know, the difference here with future is tough because a four to one where we're at now, basically versus a six to one is implied odds. Not that different. Not that different. About 80% versus like 85%. Five percent. But for me and you, the payout when it hits is more that we got six to one instead of four to one. So I think you're right that like you can wait because there's going to be a spot where the Cavs lost two or three in a row because every team does that sometime in the season and the bucks were good that week. And now you get your five to one, your six to one. And you know, the odds haven't really swung that much, but the payoff comes a lot better than
1: Meanwhile, the Boston Celtics obviously been on a tear. They are plus 500 to win the NBA title, our, our show sponsor, FanDuel. There are longer numbers in the market. It's just some discrepancy across the board as far as title futures. So you're you're buying extremely high right now if you're betting Boston to win the title. Uh, am I terrified for my under ticket? Yes, that is accurate. <laughs> I am terrified for my under ticket because this feels a lot like the Suns only with completely different logic. I had all these different reasons for fading the Suns last year and they were just better. And then I went the exact opposite direction and found Boston and now they just look better. So sometimes the good teams are just good. There's a couple of things. I mentioned the I mentioned the Dunks and Threes thing. Like there's a couple of numbers that make you a little bit like eh, maybe maybe like the Celtics defense in particular has not been kind of what you expect it to be. You now without Robert Williams, that's a little bit expected. We also don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, maybe the best value on the board, though, as far as futures go with Boston, is Tatum, who is plus 800 or, or at show sponsor FanDuel to win MVP. Uh, I went ahead and added him to my NFL NBA MVP parlay system.
3: <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> uh,
1: with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes alongside Tatum. I also have Giannis and Luca in those combos. Um, but Tatum is worth, I think, a bet for MVP based on, at the plus 800. This is less of a team oriented and like the model system and this is this one for me was if i'm gonna bet these consistently which i am tatum fits every single like he looks better he looks the step that he's taking is meaningful to me he's not just settling and hitting tough shots he's controlling and manipulating defenses those are two different things A lot of guys in the league can find space to to hit a contested jumper, and they'll go on hot streaks and hot hot seasons even. Jason Tatum is a step ahead of the defense, both physically and mentally. His burst has him getting to the rim faster. His control over the game has him generating higher percentage looks that even if they're low percentage looks for most people, they are in his – he's in his bag. Like Jason Tatum is comfortable in every single game and that evolution to me matters. He's a high level defender. And if the Celtics are going to have this kind of team success, which again, we got a long way to go, but at plus 800, there's a good chance that Tatum winds up in the Booker category. And you can make an argument for Booker as well. He's also looked awesome. Uh, But as far as like team with a great record, why isn't Tatum in the conversation? So he'll be in it from, he doesn't have to catch up from the Celtics early season like it did last year if they continue this so I have already bet Tatum a little bit I'm not like going super heavy on it uh I'm a sicko that bets MVP essentially weekly I will just say this is based on less off of game results and more that Tatum to me looks like he's gonna be such a force that I will include him in this conversation of guys that are gonna be in the conversation later
3: Yeah, you know, Tatum is a hard one for me because when you know how I do these awards, I've got my rules and I've got my criteria that I'm looking for. And when I did MVP and I've got my long MVP column up from before the season, and I basically narrowed down there and in the podcast we did to three guys, not shocking names, Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid. Those were the three positions I wanted to add because they had the scoring, they had the winning teams. We thought if the Sixers are good and the Nuggets, I guess for that matter, we, you need a score on a winning team. But another thing too is there's a specific age range that I want because historically, MVPs come in that range. All of my checkboxes had not three guys. They had four, really, or five. Fourth and fifth on my list were Tatum and Booker. Those were the next two guys. I wanted nothing to do with Booker because of all the Phoenix preseason fears that I had. I feel fine about that, even though they've looked good. Tatum, literally as I was filing my column... And I have these in tiers, different sections of guys. I I switched Tatum. Is he in is he in the section with the guys that I think are gonna win that I need a position on, or is he the last one out? For me, I just I, I went off my off the board a little bit and just trusted my gut. And my gut tells me this: I see peak Jason Tatum as a Paul George type MVP candidate, yeah. as you mentioned, Devin Booker. I think a, an, awesome Paul George, or an awesome Jason Tatum season absolutely finishes third on MVP ballots and fourth and fifth and gets on all the ballots in a great season. And he's on there and he gets UCLV at the end of the year and he's in the mix. But is he really in the mix? Like when I ask myself, think about Jokic and Giannis and Embiid. Now think about Tatum. I don't know how to quantify, how to explain it, but I don't, put Tatum on the same level as those three guys. I just don't. I don't put him quite at that elite top superstar level. And I think that matters with MVP, but he fits the model. And so he's, he's a name that I I think if you're building a portfolio, like you are, it makes a lot of sense.
1: All right, let's move on. We're going to do a new segment here on the show, and it's called Worst Favorite on the Board. We'll switch it up every week, but this for this week, I did want to take a look and see what number do we look at and just go, this number's not right. This number's not right. This, this team should not be the favorite to win whatever the future is on the board. I'll go first this week, and it is the Grizzlies, plus 155 to win the Southwest Division.
0: Who are the worst?
1: The Grizzlies have a remarkable amount of stickiness in the market, <laughs> considering they are a small market team that had a good, not great playoff run. They barely got past the Wolves. And then, honestly, I thought they played pretty well versus the Warriors. We kind of called that on buckets, that they would compete in that series. Lost a tough one in game one, kind of rallied back, jaw gets hurt, random, random game five, and then losing six. We've seen the Pelicans essentially destroy worlds. We've seen the Mavericks, who are one and two, I'll say this, Dallas to me looks like they're going to be. I think Dallas is going to be fine. Like I feel more confident in my over for Dallas right now. I think Dallas is going to be okay. I think they'll be in the division conversation. Between those two, our preseason cap that the Pelicans and Mavericks have should be higher in the odds than Memphis. To me, completely tracks. Memphis is still the same kind of team. This is really crazy to me. Look at Memphis's kind of resume right now. They they go to overtime with the Knicks in their home opener. Okay, Knicks are better. that's a game that you should win all right they have to scramble to get back versus houston they go on the back-to-back and they get trounced by dallas bad spot fine and then they beat up on a nets team that is quite simply not good right now they might never be good this nets team just may not be good (laughs) there's nothing impressive in memphis's statistical profile there's nothing impressive in their win profile jaw's been awesome he's added a jumper and that's incredibly I'm not just gonna I'm not dismissing it it genuinely it does matter for how teams guard him the rest of the team is still worse like we predicted so uh I cannot understand why the Grizzlies are still the favorite here this is slow market reaction to how good the Pels are even with the Zion already missing a a little bit of time with a small injury and Brendan Ingram being banged up I'm not worried over long term until there's something long term to be worried about Pelicans, we said they were the best value on the board for the division. They're still the best value. The Grizzlies should not be favored here.
3: Yeah, I agree. I and mean, we've been on this one all, all year long, like all off season into the season. And, and really, like you said, I I will, I'm less out on the Grizzlies than I expected to be. But I still feel in on, like you said, on what the Mavs are doing and what the Pelicans especially are doing. So when you have three teams all vying for only one division winner, that's how this works then it just doesn't make a lot of sense that the Grizzlies should be like a a clear favorite here. I wonder if just, is it just jaw is jaw. What makes it sticky because he's the exciting player and everybody wants a piece of him and just everyone has to bet on something, you know, his, his MVP number is skyrocketed already out of the first week. And I mean, I, I, I don't see, I don't see a need to get my money in on the Grizzlies when I just have a hard time seeing in a regular season setting What's going to be better than last year? They won 56 last year, second most. And, and I guess the answer is maybe just Jaw plays the whole season, which I'm not confident that he will do because he missed the games last year. But they won the games without him. Now, I'm not saying that they're better without him, but the argument of Jaw would play more, so they'll be better. No, they already were winning without him. So I, I don't know. I will say the Grizzlies thing where they just find dudes and plug them in and it works. I, I continue to not give enough credit for. Santi Aldama on opening night for them, like dropping threes in the Jaron Jackson role. I was like, oh shoot, that was a big part of my cap was they're going to miss Jaron. And I was like, well, apparently not. Apparently Santi Aldama is a thing that's happening now. So I I like, I want to fade the Grizzlies less than I did two weeks ago. I'm not just outright trash fading them right now, but I still think that the number doesn't make sense because the Grizzlies are there, but the Mavs and the Pelicans have been so good.
1: We don't have the odds, obviously, for Saturday's games. They play the Utah Jazz on Saturday mm-hmm. night. And I will just go ahead and tell you that based off of the likelihood that Memphis is going to be favored in that game, I am absolutely 100% going to be betting the Utah Jazz. Uh, on adjusted power rating from this season and and everything else, like with home with home court factored, Utah's got a substantial home court. I have jazz favorite in this game and they're absolutely going to be a dog. So I'm uh, just going and giving out a weekend pick. I'm going to be betting Utah <laughs> uh, unless there's an injury update on Saturday night. All right, let's go uh, and hit yours. What's the what favorite do you think is the most wrong, Brendan?
3: Yeah, so I'm going to stay in that division. I'm going to go to the Mavericks. I think Christian Wood being a clear favorite for Sixth Man of the Year one week into the season, I, I just can't get there. Ugh, you're the worst. Now look, I'll tell you this. If Christian Wood comes off the bench all year and puts up 24-9 and nine and hits 62% of his threes like he is right now, then yes, Christian Wood will run away with Sixth Man of the Year. You know what else is going to happen if that happens? Somebody's going to get fired in Dallas because you got a dude putting up 24 and nine shooting 62% as a big man. And you're playing him 26 minutes off the bench. What are you doing? He can't come off the bench all year. If he keeps putting that production up. So either the numbers stay and he starts so he can get more minutes that count more, more minutes with Luca, which you want the pairing out there. Now you can't be six man of the year anymore, or the numbers fall off because I don't know. Maybe he won't be the first person in the history of humankind to shoot 62 percent on threes yeah. all year. So, look, I, I think he's in contention. If we knew for sure that he was going to be a six man all year, yeah, you, you'd feel great about it. But he's plus 170 at FanDuel right now. I just can't get there from one weekend of just like, okay, great. So I guess this is a thing. And Dinwiddie is definitely going to start all year and definitely not going to come off the bench like he did last year. And Wood will definitely be benched but not start all year. Like, I don't, I don't trust the rotation. I don't trust that he will even be eligible for the award. So he could win. Absolutely could win, but I'm not betting plus 170, like a near even odds from just one week of hype for a guy that was 30 to one or something like a week ago. I can't do that that fast.
1: The best part of your cap there was the logical inconsistency between the two ideas. Either, even if he doesn't shoot 62%, even if he has a monster season, (laughs) he has to start. Or he doesn't have a monster season and then he comes off the bench. Those two things cannot be the same. And as an example here, and like, look, Jason Kidd's not going to look at on-off splits. Spoiler alert. However, (laughs) JaVale McGee literally has the worst on-court net rating of anybody on Dallas. They've been worse with him on the floor by a substantial margin. They are 17.5 points worse in net rating when JaVale's on the court. And they are 29.5 points per 100 possessions through three games better with Wood on the court. (laughs) Wood and Luka is a natural fit. I said this all along. I love this was a big part of my Dallas cap yeah. was I love this combo. I don't think these numbers are sustainable. I think Wood having a fantastic season next to Luca is. and so, Right, I
3: agree. And, yeah. and frankly, I think that the numbers maybe, well, not the shooting percentage, 24 and 9 as a starter mm-hmm. wouldn't shock me. I right. think that is sustainable. Like I said, when the trade happened, I think Christian Wood could be like a fringe all NBA candidate if they started him and he gets to do the things with Luca, put him in the starting lineup. And like if it's this obvious and he's producing that well, it's going to happen if he's not. And Christian Wood has been inconsistent for his career, to say the least, when he hits the cold stretch, then you lose value there either way. So I think it's it's a you know, if he plays well, it's bad. If he doesn't play well, it's bad. It's just not a ticket I need right now.
1: All right, I've added a new section to the show based solely off of how much fun Brandon had with our long shots episode <laughs> for the season. I was like, why don't we just do this every week? Or do the long shot of the week? This is a sprinkle play. This is not a big bet. This is not a huge bet. This is a here's the best long shot because who doesn't love a good long shot future? You mean not good like one out of a hundred?
0: I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance
1: like that's ever gonna happen uh I will go first Laurie Markkinen is 17 to 1 for most improved player at FanDuel show sponsor of buckets why why is this the case this is not a random thing here this there is there is building momentum this is a like that's why I feel so good about this one Laurie Markkinen was good last year with the Cavs as soon as he got out of Chicago he was better I don't think he liked management. I don't think that he was comfortable. I think he struggled under Jim Boylan because Jim Boylan is Jim Boylan. I think he struggled under Billy Donovan because Billy Donovan wanted to win now. And Laurie was still finding his way in the league. And he was coming back from pretty severe injuries. He hits the Cleveland and everyone's like, this is gonna be a disaster. Laurie Morgan's terrible. And you got three bigs. And then he makes it work with the three big lineup. Then he gets shipped down the Donovan Mitchell deal. And he is absolutely tearing it up. He has been phenomenal. Now, the problem with this bet is the assumption that Danny Ainge is going to eventually start slicing Achilles with a razor to try and get Victor Wemanyama. I've said this. This has been my cap on Utah. I didn't bet the over because I was too terrified of the outcomes. I still do not know how they're going to get this team to tank in that you can trade Mike Conley and you can trade Markkinen, which, by the way, Markkinen could then go to a contending team and still be really good and win most Improved player. You could trade those two guys. Colin Sexton just got the got the sign and trade, right? That's not gonna happen. I that that move's not gonna be, get made. Uh, like you then have to still shut down guys like Jared Vanderbilt and Jordan Clarkson and Kessler, who's good? Like Walker Kessler's been awesome, Brandon. I know that that's that's like <laughs> wild. He's been so good. It's not that I think the Jazz are too good to be bad. It's that I don't know that they're going to be so bad that Markkinen is going to be out of contention for this award. I have bet this. I think there's value on it. I like he was good in Eurobasket. And last year, we have growing momentum. He's been phenomenal. He's playing great on both ends. I like Laurie Markinen 17 to 1, most improved.
3: So let me ask you this question. It's going to pertain to my pick as well, because I'm going for the same award here. But before we do that, do you think that the Utah Jazz, you made the case, you've got all the players. Do you think the Utah Jazz are a playoff team? And let's call it a postseason team. Do you think the Jazz can be a, can they make the play in? Because, because with my profiles, Lowry, I think fits the age range we like. He fits the leap we like. The scoring is there. Nine of the last 10 most improved players have made the playoffs. So if we consider that even top 10 seeds, can the jazz get there and and make lowry's numbers matter to
1: voters that's a good question because it's like a can not will thing yeah. right like it's yeah. 17 to one i'm willing to bet on the can sure if it's yeah. under 10 i'm not be- willing to bet on the will if that yeah, makes
3: that's it. fair i mean that's the, that's the number that's that's part of the thing when you take the long shot like well, we're going to take these long shot values we're betting on a bunch of variables going our way. So that's fair. If if you think can is in the equation, I don't still, I don't think can is so then I can't get there. But if, if can is part of it, then sure. I think that Larry Markkinen fits the profile pretty well. I'll do mine. I like Darren Fox for most improved player. He's 42 to one at FanDuel. I still see him at 60 to one out there in some books. I gave this one out when we did most improved way back in like July or August. And it was like 150 to one then, just total like down with the random names at the bottom of the board. And I think I've noticed with most improved, and we kind of saw this last year, I I had my eye on Miles Bridges last year coming into the season. We won't talk that much about him because he's not part of our season anymore. But part of the thing I liked about him is for the final like 20, 25 games of the previous season, we saw a leap. And we like to think most improved is Somebody that came into the new season and out of the blue, they shocked us. Look how good they are. But what we see a lot of times with most improved is the late leap from a past season that carries over. And that was what happened with Fox. So we did know Darren Fox is good, right? But last year, after they traded for Sabonis, before the trade, Fox was at 21 points, five assists. After the trade, I, this surprised me. I thought Fox's numbers would go down. Sabonis is handling more. How will Fox produce? He went from 21-5 before the trade to 29-7 after the trade. And now look at the numbers for the new season. He's at 31.7 points a game, six rebounds, seven assists. He's basically matching those numbers from last year. And he's shooting threes now. I didn't even realize that. To look up the numbers, he's taking almost seven threes a game. He's hitting 45%. So it's not just that he's hot, because that's not going to last necessarily, but the volume being up matters because that's going to help boost the scoring. It's going to make him just a better overall profile player. His mid range numbers are up. His floater is going in a little better. Just the touch and the shooting is falling a little bit. So now I'm back to the question that I asked you that I'll ask myself, can the Kings make the playoffs? And I don't know because Matt, these are your Kings, not my Kings. I give them fully over to you. They have not won a game. (laughs) They haven't, but I, I kind of, I texted you this. I, I kind of don't hate the Kings. I, I, they're kind of winning me over. That The profile on the team looks better than the 0-3. They're giving up, I think, 41% on threes right now. That's fluky. That's not going to last. But what I like is their top five and three-pointers attempted and their third and two-point percentage. So that's a profile of a good offense. Fox is producing, Sabonis is producing, and on defense, they are allowing the second fewest three-pointers, which I think fits like what a Mike Brown profile would do. So there's a profile there of a thing that's good. And like I've agreed, and like you've said the whole time, we know the Kings are going to try. We know they want to make the playoffs. So you get the narrative. Kings make the postseason. I won't say playoffs, but get into the play-in, break the playoffs, the longest playoff drought in American sports right now. And I think Fox is very much in the mix. If he puts up anything near 32-7, and that's an all-star on a team even in Sacramento. So I I think there's still time to get in. I think he's a guy that could really get that buzz of like, hey, hey, you know who's been pretty good that we kind of wrote off? Darren Fox, that contract looks pretty good right now. Like, I think we're waiting for that first take segment some morning, not too long. But, you know, how up if they'd win a game sometime?
1: Please do not try and get me to put more money on the Kings. (laughs) I don't want this in my life. Uh, look, you won
3: I... me over on the Kings, except except my winning over on the Kings. Do, do we agree, even based on the 0-3 start, if you had to bet right now on a Kings to make the playoffs or Jazz to make the playoffs, who would you rather have a ticket on to make the playoffs right now? Kings, yeah. Okay. So I, I think I don't think it's likely necessarily for either, but the Kings' motivation especially comes in. So. Yeah, I think the number on Fox, again, it's long shots. We're just taking long numbers. It's a can thing. I think they can.
1: 4,200 is a show sponsor, FanDuel. So That's right. Yeah, absolutely. There's your long shots of the week. All right. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday with the recap show with Albert Wynn, aka Analytics Capper, breaking down the awards races like we did last week, as well as best bets throughout the week. Make sure to follow all our picks in the award-winning Action Network app. You can track Brandon on there. Go look at Brandon's ROIs. Just go look at Brandon's ROI on NFL, NBA. You're just going to be like... Wow. Holy shit. I I promise you, you will be amazed. Uh, Go check it out in the Action Network app. Our thanks to our friends at FanDuel for sponsoring the show. Thanks to David Payne for producing. Until next week, we'll see you guys again. Let's get buckets.